It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. Thank you for tuning in on a special edition of Locked On Bengals on a Sunday. Joe Goodberry coming up in about 30 seconds. Subscribe on iTunes, audioboom.com, and the iHeartRadio app on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. It's our first, po- our first podcast that we've done since the Bengals got their first preseason win of the year on Friday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 23-12. to and to talk more about that is Joe Goodberry. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, it's good to talk to you again, man. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Nice to talk to you, too. I'm excited. We're, here we are. We're starting the season. Yeah, the draft was so exciting, and now we get to see pretty much the, the way we, we had talked about it for months leading up to the draft, and now we get to see these young guys in action. Let's start with, with the defensive line because we were talking right before the, the podcast started, and you saw some flashes from some of the young guys, you went back and watched the tape. What did you see? Yeah, that's exactly what you saw, flashes. And not only – and that's usually a scout term for this guy jumped off or grabbed your attention, um, but even athletically, and we're talking speed, I definitely think Lawson, Chris, Chris Smith, and Jordan Willis all showed that. That burst off the edge. There was a couple times where Willis and Lawson couldn't actually cut the corner and turn the corner but their burst off the off the line caused uh, Jameis Winston to bail the pocket a little bit early. There was one, I think, on the first drive where, where Lawson had, and it, and it forced uh, Winston to bail. And that's what you want, just having that guy that's athletic on the edge rushing in, in, in an obvious passing situation is an upgrade over what Michael Johnson was offering and what really the Bengals have tried to put there over the last couple of years and when failures with Marcus Hunt and, I hate to say it, but so far uh, Will Clark also in that in that category. But, yeah, I think those three – uh, really show that they can be upgrades, even if they're not, you know, on that veteran status and they may make some mistakes and they may have some ups and downs. Just having an athletic upgrade is a big upgrade for the entire unit, the entire defense. So uh, they need to continue to show that, continue to come up both sides, especially Willis was doing that, Lawson was doing it. They had Lawson at linebacker and at right end. Um, I thought they looked good on both spots. Chris Smith, too, at both spots on right and left end. If that's the type of, of – uh, you know, variation you can get out of your backups where they can help on both sides and look equally good and, and apply pressure. That just helps you. I think those three guys, obviously we know Willis and Lawson will make a team, but I think Chris Smith having as big of a game as he had 
we need to consider that he should should make the roster. I mean, when you're talking about Gilberry and Michael Johnson and Will Clark ahead of them, you got to start to say, do you want those quick pass rushers and Chris Smith for that last spot, or do you want a veteran guy that can maybe play inside in Will Clark and Wallace Gilberry? Yeah, and, and Joe, a couple things there. Jordan Willis was a guy that we hadn't seen much from. I, I know you haven't heard much from him. I, I got a, asked a bunch of questions. Oh, what about Jordan Willis, all this Carl Lawson hype? But I think Willis... Had had the better game. I I still believe in Lawson and think he's going to be a stud. But Jordan Willis really showed out on Friday. Yeah, I think he kind of needed that. I wonder if he felt a little forgotten at the time. Uh, you know, as far as defensive ends go, he was the pick. I know Lawson in, in, is going to play a lot of defensive end, but the Bengals quickly named him a linebacker uh, and fans were quickly on to okay, what's Willis going to provide? Is he the speed guy they've been looking for? And right, like you said, we haven't we haven't heard as much in camp. Not that that's a bad thing. He's a rookie, but you watch him on tape, and right away that one sack he has, where he rips off the line, and you almost believe is he offside? They show the replay; he's not, um, and he rips the quarterback down one-handed. Uh, he just showed his raw power and speed there, and that, I think that's what he is. I think technically he still has some development to go. But there was a lot of times he's coming off the edge, especially they had him in wide nine positioning where he can just come off the edge and really not be touched, which is perfect for him because I don't think he has the moves to really disengage at this point. But coming off the edge with that athleticism, he can help right now. And and, and it's mostly because they have such a need at, at pass rusher and as particularly edge rusher. So he can help right now. Uh, I'm still really excited about Lawson because I think he flashed too. He, it was a couple times he got dumped once on the uh, – on the first drive where, where he missed his move and got chipped by the running back. But overall, I think great debut for both those guys, uh, for everything we've heard in camp and even not heard in Willis's uh, case. He showed up in the game. That's what you want to see. Uh, A-plus for those guys going forward. Joe, as far as – because we know the Bengals are loyal. So as far as a guy like Michael Johnson goes, we've talked about it a few times here on this podcast. I think moving him inside – because I, I do think he's going to make the team. I just think that they like that veteran presence. I, I haven't heard any rumblings of him maybe being on the chopping block. That could change. Uh, still plenty of, of time to go and plenty of depth on this Bengals roster. But could moving him inside be beneficial to him and the Bengals? I think for sure. I think if you want to still use him and play as many snaps as he was, and I don't, think, I don't mean 900 snaps. I just mean you know give him a, a, a good rotation on this defensive line. I think kicking him inside helps a little bit. And for one, I think he's gotten much stiffer over the last couple of years. The burst isn't there off the edge. I think you get him inside, you put him against a lesser athlete and a guard, typically, uh, so that he can beat those guys a little bit more. I also think with his size and his length, and he's has had a good ability to bat balls, putting him inside really cuts down passing lanes, and especially over the middle. Um, so, yes, it could help. And you, and you think of the alternative, it's probably Wallace Coberry. Uh, Will Clark, and maybe Deshaun Williams if he makes the roster, which I think he should. I think he played well again in the, in the first preseason game. I think he's played well almost every time he's gotten a chance. I'm not sure who that other nickel DT is. If that is Michael Johnson, uh, you know, in comparison to those other guys that, that are that may make the team, he looks like the best uh, best guy to put out there. So I, w- I really would like to see that. I think they could also kick Carlos Dunlap in, and I know he's been their best edge rusher, but if Willis and Lawson continue to impress, I like the idea of having Willis and Lawson on the edge, Dunlap and Atkins inside. Dunlap did it at Florida. He has a, a knack for batting balls. I think that may be your best four. But if you want to play Michael Johnson and want to get him snaps because he is a veteran, he is a great team guy, uh, that may be a way to get the most production out of him by kicking him inside a nickel. 
We're talking with Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry, one of the best Bengals follows out there. So make sure you do that. And Joe, I was pleased by something the Bengals did. And I know Drake Kirkpatrick, I guess, was dinged up, so they didn't play him at all. Adam Jones didn't get the start. And we saw William Jackson III, and we saw Darquez Denard. And I think that's really important for their development now that they're both healthy, knock on wood, uh, j- just to get out there, get a- go up against Mike Evans. Let him go up and catch a ball over you, Darquez Denard, because that experience is necessary. What did you see from this Bengals secondary, especially early on when the ones were going up against the ones? Yeah, that was the first thing that stood out to me. I tweeted it during the game, too, and I was like, hang on a second. I thought maybe Pac-Man wasn't playing, but yeah. then when they went into nickel, was the second half of that drive, Pac-Man came in and went to the boundary, the, left, uh, the right side for the defense. And I was like, okay, so Pac-Man is playing, but they're not starting him. I don't know what that means for the future, but I know it means a, a lot of snaps for Jackson and Denard. And, yeah, I know I know uh, Denard got, got beat by Evans, but that's really not the type of situation he's going to thrive in anyways. Uh, it was a long ball. So we already know better to feed and you know, from college and, and in the pros when he's been beat. So he has to win technically. And he lost that last hand battle. People said, oh, well, Evans pushed off. That's how Evans is. Evans is a big, strong receiver. That little push, that little touch to, to – the uh, Denard will will send him flying a little bit. So he had to win that hand battle in that play, and he didn't, and he lost. That's something you go back and you say, listen, we have to work on this. This is what you need to get better at. But I thought overall he had a solid game. He there was a few times his line against Deshaun Jackson, and if you're the Bucks and, and if you've watched tape uh, uh, of Denard, you know you should go deep against him. And and they didn't do that, and he held coverage pretty well and on a lot of plays. I thought William Jackson was especially good. I think he played 40 snaps. He allowed one reception for three yards uh, on three targets. He had a couple of open field tackles, one really nice on Doug Martin on yeah. the first drive. But I thought I thought Doug Martin looked really good, too, uh, for fantasy purposes. Uh, <laughs> but Jackson tackled him nicely in open field after uh, Fagellum kind of took an inside angle, and it left, uh, I believe it was Minter and Jackson uh, to really defend the edge. And Jackson traced him down really quickly and, and undercut him and took uh, took Martin down. I thought it was a great play by him. So, uh, and I thought Pac-Man looked good on those two fades in the end zone. So uh, those three with Denard kicking in slot inside and playing the nickel uh, in that situation, which I thought was important too, because they could have put Shaw in there and said Shaw's going to be our nickel guy. Maybe that's more of a competition. Who knows who they're going to use more when the, when the regular season comes. But uh, hopefully we get a full rotation at that position, to be honest with you. But, I, I, again, I thought they played well. They held their own. One reception to Mike Evans. I think Evans is probably in the top five or six receivers in the league. That's okay. You can get beat by those guys once in a while. Overall, good game for those guys. Agreed. And, and let's flip to the offense, Joe. And looking at this offense, I, the, the first team, to me, looked good. And let's start with the, the thing that everybody – as far as Cincinnati goes, as Bengals fans go, that they're worried about is the offensive line. Some breakdowns, but overall, I think they were competent, and I think that's the word that, that's going to be used a lot this year. If the Bengals' offensive line could be competent, then that offense is going to be pretty good. The offensive line is being thrown into the deep end, and they need to either sink or swim. They're going to, as long as they keep their head above the water and breathe and sustain and doggy paddle and tread water, this offense can be very, very good. And they did that. There were some breakdowns by Bodine, you know, the usual we come to expect when they're trying to run stretch runs and he gets pushed back by a nose tackle. I think we've come to expect it. We're not even surprised at this point. There was, I think, three losses on Bodine. I had two losses for Obwehi. Uh One was he tried to do a whip block and just missed. Uh, 
if I don't think he knew the play just based on I don't think he would execute that play on, on a run to your side unless it was a draw play maybe and it wasn't. Um, and then the other one was oh boy he 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 tends to do this. That's why he was beat with power before. He'll overstep on his initial kick step and then open his hips too wide, leaving him vulnerable back to the inside and with power because now he doesn't have a base. He did that again. It was a quick pass and he got beat inside real quickly and uh, it didn't affect the play. So those are the things we're not we're not going to see, and I think that's by design of the Bengals. They're going to be a quick passing offense, uh, and and that's good, and that's good because you're going to hide the offensive line a little bit more. One thing they did also is back-to-back plays. I think it was after um, after a breakdown on the offensive line, the Hill lost two yards, which I thought Hill looked actually pretty solid, especially with the offensive line blocking. Uh, the Bengals came out back-to-back plays, and they went empty. No no running back in the backfield. On third down play, they motioned Hill out wide left, which I, I was drooling at the idea of the, that being Geo or Mixon eventually. <laughs> but they, it, it, what it did is they put LaFell in the slot versus Levante David. Easy to see pre-snap. Now you only got four rushers for the defense for the Bucks. Uh, you see the, the easy matchup for Dalton, and, and you say, okay, here's the slant. I only got to take one step and throw. And, and that's exactly what they did. Two plays in a row. One went to Eifert, one went to LaFell, and they converted on for, to, for a first down after a second and 12. So that's the offense I think we're going to see. I think they're going to try and spread it out, limit the numbers on defense, make them show if it's man or zone, Make it easy for the offensive line to see who's coming and who's going. You, you're allowed to double up with only four rushers coming. You can double somebody. And for Dalton, you pick the best player or the best matchup pre-snap, and you hit them. Uh, if that's the offense, that's great. Where that fails is when they got back down to the red zone. And I think the Bucks now are starting to sit on the quick routes because everything was quick to that point. Knowing the offensive line is a weakness, uh, Vernon Hargraves jumps the, this this out route. Um, that I don't, I don't think Dalton should have thrown that. And I know we're supposed to be talking about the offensive line. I think this is more, more of a uh, an extension of how the offense is going to yeah. uh, survive with the line. Uh, Dalton hits this out route to LaFell. Really, pre-snap, you've got Green to the left in the slot, Eifert in the left to, uh, to the right in the slot, and you've got man coverage. The Bucks are blitzing, so you know it's going to be a quick throw. Vernon Hargrave sits on it. Perfect what he should have done. They've been throwing quick. You're sending a blitz, and you're in man coverage. You can jump this out route. I think for Dalton, and they've thrown this a lot, and I was surprised he went to LaFell because even pre-snap, I'm thinking, okay, you got Eifert, you got Green, running, the, running to the corner. Uh, you throw it up to either one of those guys, you should feel pretty confident in those guys coming down with it. So it was a speed out, so which means you're not really giving a head take for LaFell. You're not really hard cutting it. You're kind of rounding that, that playoff, and you're going to hopefully catch it right at the pylon. Bad ball placement, bad decision by Dalton, great play by the corner. But that's what's going to happen. I think they need to mix in those five-step, those seven-step routes or, or dropbacks for the quarterback. That way you can – it's going to be tough with the offensive line, but you can't let it – Hinder, hinder your offense so much that defenses start to notice and start to jump on the short stuff. But also getting John Ross and a guy like that that can come in and back these defenses up will change that and change the way defenses can play you. So long-winded answer on the offensive line and how they played. I think they survived. I think the star of the offensive line week one and preseason was Trey Hopkins. He looked fantastic. I thought he executed every single snap. Uh, he got guys out of there, even Gerald McCoy a couple times. Um, uh, Hill went behind him for a nice game. Mixon went behind him for a nice game. I thought they, they kept off of the lineman, line in extra long, which is great to get the reps. But I thought Hopkins looked very, very good. And if he's one of the starters on the offensive line come week one, we should all hope for that as of right now. Uh, I think he can keep the right guard position uh, better than expected. I know you're losing Kevin Zeitler, and that's a big blow. We're getting Hopkins in there, and if he plays like that, uh, they can get better play out of there than I think we all thought you know, a couple months ago. Joe, you mentioned that that third. I believe it was third and two when, when Andy threw that interception in the red zone. 
Is yeah. that is that correct? Yeah. So third and two, Joe Mixon's in the game, and I noticed. Yeah. Everyone talks about this, so so I was like, all right, I'm going to lock it on Mixon and see what happens because I was kind of shocked they put him in with the ones third and two in the red zone. Just doesn't seem like a Bengals thing to do, but they they pass. They're throwing it. Mixon picks up the block that he's supposed to across from Andy, keeps him clean. I know that seems really basic. I, I went back and looked at it I, in real time. I, I thought it was a bigger deal than it was. D- did I over-exaggerate that at all? Because I think that if he does that, he's clearly th- their top back. And, and just go from that to what you saw from Joe Mixon because he looks special. Yeah, and it's very key. You're right. He needs to show he can pick up the pass protection. If he can, because you really don't do it in college. You do it a handful of times but it's definitely not as exotic as you get in the NFL. And technique-wise, you definitely aren't anywhere close to what you end up being a couple years into the NFL. So um, that play, we like we just talked about, the Bucks show bliss. Dalton's getting rid of it. He knows his offensive line is poor. I mean, even if he's not going to say it, he knows they're probably worse than they were last year. And he's got a rookie protecting him at running back with the blitz coming. He's going to get rid of that ball fast. Mixon showing he knows where to go with it and picking it up. Yeah, it wasn't a quick, uh, I mean, it wasn't a long pass, so he, he didn't have to hold it for very long, but he knew where to go, which is most of what pass protection is, is just getting in the way and picking up the correct man. By doing that, they'll watch the film, and, and Dalton, maybe he'll be a little bit more comfortable next time with Mixon behind him. Maybe he'll see that, that he's got better options and he can hold the ball for a half a second a longer on that. If that's the case, that's good. That's what you want. And obviously, Mixon as a weapon. We saw in the one uh, pass play, a play action, then they threw it, they dumped him off to him in the, in the flats. He makes three guys miss and falls forward. I thought he had a couple nice runs where he was averaging about six yards of carry until he, he, he got uh, tackled for a loss. Uh, but especially the one up the middle where he shows the patience, bounces back and forth a little bit, and then, then bursts into the middle. And I think it was an eight or nine yard gain, maybe 10 yards. Um, very nice out of Mixon. I thought very good first game for him. Showed exactly what we all want. Uh, I'm super excited for him. I, I, <laughs> he's such an electric player. He's, he looks stronger than I, than I expected. His arms look gigantic. His thighs are, are strong. It, he looks powerful, but then you see him get the ball, and he's super elusive. He's super patient with the ball. Um, he's fast, obviously, we've seen from camp highlights, and, and you've seen him in person. He, he is very fast. I, I think he can be a blue-chip player on this offense, and what that does is it changes the offense completely. So it was just a glimpse of it. I hope they, they keep him under the radar still a little bit more. Don't play him even much more than what you did, even though we're excited to see him. I want him there for week one because I think he's going to make a difference. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think that even in 2014 when Jeremy Hill was really good, and he's probably the reason they made the playoffs, he carried that team on on his back that, that second half of the year. I think Joe Mixon and his impact, even if it's 15 snaps, it's not like he didn't split snaps in college with Samaje Perrine, who was drafted by the Redskins in, I think, round three or four. So he's used to splitting carries. Giovanni Bernard didn't play. A Geo Mixon splitting carries. And if Hill's your third best back, I mean, the Bengals just turned a a weakness last year, it seemed like, especially after Geo went down to a super strength at running back. Yeah, not only did Gio go down, but G- but Hill was hurting, and he's been poor for the last year and a half. So that was a weakness. Obviously, if you go in the second round, you take a guy with the question marks that Mixon had character-wise, uh, you know it's a weakness, and they turned it into a strength. Only in, in Not only because of Mixon, but apparently Gio came back from this injury and it looked great in camp. Amazing. Electric. Yeah, so 
which Gio's the man anyways. He just seems like a great guy. And then to come back from an injury and look like this, uh, you know, he, hats off to him, and I'm excited to see him play. But then Hill had a decent week in week one. I thought he, you know, for the couple times we often blind Bennett block and he ends up getting nothing or losing to, which is – is what Jeremy Hill is. He's going to be the product of the offensive line. If they block well, he'll get full head of steam going straight up the middle. He'll get five, six, seven. That's who he is. But any penetration, you're dropping him for negative one or negative two, and that's what happens. Uh, but that three-headed monster could be very effective. I don't know how the split's going to go. I do think we, Chio and Mixon will probably get the bulk and should get the bulk, uh, especially when it comes to snap percentage. Geo um, is always out snap Hill as it is, but I think right now your third down back is still probably Bernard because he probably still is your best prote- pass protector. But Mixon is so good as a receiver that if he shows any semblance of pass protection, and he did, like we just talked about, he becomes a guy that you can do more and more with, and he'll eat in the Geo snaps. Plus, he's 225, 230 pounds. He can carry it 20 times if needed. I don't know if it would get to that point with those three. But, man, it's exciting because you can lean on that when Dalton is going against a defense that's able to cover the, all the weapons they have or, or you're in bad weather and you've got to lean on the run game. You have a three-headed monster and three guys, three second-round picks, which for running yeah. backs, you might as well be spending a top 15 pick on those guys being in the second round. That's a premium pick for running back, and they have three of them. Yeah, Joe, in the thing I noticed, and you mentioned this when you talked about the offensive line, is the fact that Mixon, I know he motioned out outside and he played wide receiver out of the backfield. Once Ross is in the lineup, once Giovanni Bernard's in the lineup, there's going to be so many interchangeable parts because Ross and Boyd and LaFell can play inside. You could play green inside. Uh, the, the running backs can can split outside. You even said they, they did it with Hill. I, I like the versatility, and I think it's going to make things easier on Andy Dalton. And, and the thing that we talked about towards the end of last season was offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi. And I think the fact that we're seeing it this early shows that maybe he does get it, and, and maybe this offense will reach its full potential with all these different motions and exotic things and all the versatility that they have at, at the skill positions. And Van Beasley got a lot of stuff last year from fans and analysts because I thought we we all expected the offense to be a little bit better, and it wasn't early mm-hmm. in the season. Uh, but I think in retrospect, it was it, understandably we kind of understood why it, once the offensive line never really turned it around, once the speed at receiver really hindered them, uh, seeing Eifert out that first half of the year, it was tough for them to really put an offense together that was functional in all in all phases and in all formations, all personnel packages. I think now with the weapons. You can put out almost anyone out there in any formation, in any position, and you should have somebody that creates a mismatch. And multiple guys, really. If it's Eifert, if it's Green, if it's Mixon, if it's John Ross, there's going to be a mismatch somewhere on the field. I, it reminds me of 2015 in that offense when, when Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu and Giovanni Bernard and Eifert and Green. When you have that, <laughs> somebody's open. Somebody's going to be open. And Dalton is at best when he can clearly know where he's going with the ball pre-snap. And, and that's not a knock on him. So I think that the offense is designed that way. And if he knows that there's a matchup that he can win with somewhere on the field, that's where they're going, and it's coming out quickly, and you're masking the offensive line. And that sounds ideal. That all sounds great. 
Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think even what they showed in the first preseason game uh, out of offense, because they, they didn't show anything on defense at all. Paul Hunter had them in, in zone and base defense until the very end. Uh, on offense, I thought they showed exactly pretty much what they're going to be, and that was a good thing because I, I think it works, and I think that's how you survive with such a bad unit projected on offensive line. Joe, let, let's talk about some of the backups. And Alex Erickson is a guy who's pretty much in the same position he was last year, fighting for a roster spot. He, he's one guy I just want, want you to talk about and see what you've seen from him. And then also Josh Malone, because he's the forgotten wide receiver in the Bengals draft class, kind of, because of John Ross, because of Joe Mixon. So what did you see from Josh Malone, who caught an eight-yard touchdown from Jeff Driscoll? And what did you see from Alex Erickson? Yeah, and Erickson just keeps producing, kind of how he was last year. I mean, I don't think we were really fully aware of him in week one, week two. He had a couple of punt returns. But in week three, week four, as he started to accumulate good week after good week, reception after reception, you said, man, this guy can make the team. And then he had, again, good punt returns and kick returns. And he made the team and made an impact last year as a returner. Obviously, I believe he was second in kick return yards in the NFL and average. Um, again, he – goes out there with that second and third unit and he stands out and he, he seems to be the reliable guy for the backup quarterbacks guys they can a guy they can trust to be in the right spot and bail him out i thought driscoll had a high ball i think it was driscoll and uh erickson went up and got it and then had some yards after the catch down the sideline uh that's what he is and uh, he can help you and if not only is a return man it seems like those were plays where he lined up on the outside we know he can play the slot a little bit too he had a few catches last year back in a void in that in that situation um I think he can help. I think you look at the team and you say, we have seven good receivers. You may have to just keep seven guys because they all have a role and they all can help in some way. I think the one guy you may say is, well, what's Malone right now? Uh, is he the guy who's inactive every week? Is he that guy? Uh, he might be, but I I think he's probably been a little bit better in camp than they might have expected being a young 20, 21-year-old guy, only two years really of starting experience in college. I uh, expected him to be a little bit raw, but then he runs a great route in the red zone, makes a nice catch, there's a touchdown, and I think with his size, his speed, he showed off some ball skills in, in college. I know that. I know he's had a, a few nice contested catches in camp and in the, the scrimmage game. Uh, maybe he can help you. And then Cody Core, it sounds like he had an ankle issue uh, in the first preseason game. He's been the guy that everyone's been raving about mm-hmm. and vastly improved, but then he gets hurt in OTAs. He gets hurt in the first game sometimes those really talented guys get hurt and they i'm not saying he's not going to make the team i think he definitely should but maybe malone ends up being the guy that's active and course it down because he's just not healthy or he's just not able to, to get the trust of the quarterbacks if he can't play i, I do think core is probably ahead of him uh significantly right now yeah. uh, he took snaps with the ones but i just mean you know it, when you get into midpoint of the year uh and these rookies have played and, and have practiced and have shown their worth you know, I think maybe you can mix it up a little bit. But, uh, you know, as, as far as week one in the preseason, I thought Malone did fine. I thought he did his job. Uh, I'm excited to see him. I want to see a couple deep balls to him. I want to see how fast he really is. Uh, and maybe we'll see down Ross down the line, too, and then we can get a little comparison there. But I know Ross is electric. But Malone ran the second fastest 40. Uh, we talk about <laughs> Ross's 40 all the time, but Malone is fast, and he's big. So I want to see that. Yeah, Joe, the, the thing with Malone, and I've noticed it anytime he's ran a deep deep route or streak or anything like that, he has a gear and then the ball's in the air. And even if the, the, the corner is right on him, he has another gear and he just kicks it in. And, and he's had some troubles with drops, but he just has that next gear that I, I don't know it's who you want. Tracking. Yeah, I, I don't he's know who you want to compare him to, but he, he can get downfield, man. 
Yeah, and uh, some people said he was like Chris Henry in that in that term mm-hmm. because Henry was fast, but when that ball's in the air, he was a four three completely. And then maybe that's Malone. And, you know, you put it in there the same way, even though we know Green's fast. What if you're in a four four eight at the combine? He's faster than that. You see him on the deep balls, and <laughs> once everyone has to look up and look up for a ball, everyone slows down. Mm-hmm. But when you know where the ball is landing by tracking it and, and just having that innate ability you don't lose that speed. And in fact, you act like you look like you're blowing past corners because you're tracking that ball down perfectly. And Malone showed that at Tennessee and Josh Dobbs would just launch it up there and he would track it down no matter where it was. And then John Ross showed that too. And that's why he's even more electric uh, in green. So they got guys with ball skills. Honestly, Marvin Jones had that and Jones wasn't, Jones was fast, but we're not talking, you know, extreme rare speed, but put that ball in the air and he'll beat a guy deep. So if, if he's that way, then, uh, that's very exciting. Now, Joe, I want to ask you one more thing here because A.J. McCarron was in trade rumors last week. Uh, it sounds like that was kind of uh, just a rumor, not really true from the things I've heard. But Jeff Driscoll comes in, goes 8 for 9, completes 8 out of 9 passes, 97 yards, a touchdown through the air to Malone, and a, a touchdown on the ground, made two Tampa Bay Buccaneers run into each other, became famous overnight. Uh, when you looked at, at both of those guys and I know Driscoll was playing against inferior talent compared to what McCarron was. But when you look at those guys, what, what did you see? I thought uh, I thought Driscoll was fantastic, to be honest. Uh, I thought McCarron missed a couple. And there was one to core, I believe it was, on third down. Uh, it, was, it was a misplaced throw by McCarron, a little bit behind the outside. I thought Core did a bad job adjusting to it and getting his hands turned around. He tried to uh, cradle it and pluck it. Uh, but it was, a, it was a poor throw by McCarron, and he didn't get that many plays. Not, you know, we definitely saw more out of out of Driscoll because he had more snaps. He had that whole second half, but he looked electric. Not only throwing, which he was perfectly efficient, but running the ball. Obviously, when you can do that and add that element, it makes you even more dangerous. And you're going to stand out in preseason against third stringers when you can do that, and, and you're that type of athlete. And remember. The Bengals put a claim on him because they had such a high grade on him in their in that draft class a year ago. Uh, apparently, the Cowboys had him higher rated than Dak Prescott. Uh, I, I thought I remember reading the Bengals had a third-round grade on Driscoll. Um, so there was a guy they liked, but they got him at the end of camp, at the, you know, a cutdown last year. So they really only had him into, you know, practices throughout the year, and those third-string guys don't get a lot of reps. They'll get a few. They'll play some scout team stuff. They may even play a little other positions because he's an athlete. But So they probably had some confidence in him, liking him as a draft prospect. But having McCarron as a comfort zone probably led them to not feel as fully confident to trade McCarron if those rumors are true or, or the inquiries from other teams are, are real. They you know, didn't pull the trigger for whatever reason. But seeing Driscoll play and – by all accounts, has looked good in camp. I, I, I believe the reports were in the scrimmage game he was very good mm-hmm. um, and then does it again in preseason. I think if you string a couple of these together and they truly feel confident in him, I think that helps move McCarron. We all kind of want that drastic because I think if you get to your backup quarterback, you're probably not winning anyways. I don't feel like you're winning a Super Bowl with McCarron or Driscoll, but I think you can win a game or two with either one of them. And if that's the case, uh, you try and get what you can for the guy who's entering the last year of his deal. I still think that's – I don't know if you've you, – I don't know if we've got an update on McCarron. I know he was appealing whether or not he would be a restricted free agent. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard anything about that. but Yeah, uh, yeah basically uh, – you know, uh, I think that factors in. Yeah, basically the, the hearing happened, and he might not hear anything for midseason to – 
after the season. <laughs> so the Bengals, yeah, right. it, it doesn't offer much clarity, and it, it could be a while before we even know if he's a Bengals uh, under Bengals control next year or not. Yeah, that, that's kind of a bummer because I think if you only had him for one year, you would be more inclined to trade him. But mm-hmm. if you think you have him for two years, then you may hold on to him this year just in case. Uh, so that's kind of an unknown for them. But, yes, if, if Driscoll keeps on playing well, uh, I'd like to see him get more snaps with the with better, you know, against better competition. But how do you do that? Do you not give McCarron snaps? Do you not give uh, Dalton more snaps? Because you're, as you get to week two, week three, you see an increase of the starters playing and the third stringers play less. Week four will be Driscoll's next chance to really play the bulk of the game. And if he plays well, then um, there may be other teams interested in him because yeah. apparently there were some high grades on Driscoll around the league, and he was drafted. But it just did whatever the 49ers were doing last year, they were doing everything wrong. So they cut Driscoll for whatever reason. The Bengals picked him up. I, I am interested to see how this plays out the rest of the preseason. Yeah, and, and if a team like the Cowboys, who had such a high grade on Driscoll, says, oh, well, he could be our backup behind Dak, both really athletic, I could see that being a landing spot. So I think and because it's, Kellen Moore was so bad yeah, for Dallas. Uh, so oh, my far. God. <laughs> they, they really think he's a future coach, though, so they want to keep him for that. Apparently he helps uh, with the game planning and things like that. He's a, he's a future <laughs> uh, so Garrett, you know, their head coach now. If that's yeah. the case, fine. Boy, you need someone who can make the throws and make the plays. And if right, if that's if that's a Jeff Driscoll, then sure, call up and see what it takes. Yeah, Joe, I think what's really interesting here in, in the Bengals last year, they showed they were willing to move on from a veteran uh, that was outperformed by a rookie with Alex Erickson beating out Brandon Tate for that return job. That's right. There's so much depth on this team and so much young talent that there's going to be a shocking release. Now, I, I don't know who it's going to be. It could be a Michael Johnson. It, it could be a Will Clark. It could be someone like that. Or someone we're not even Is expecting. Yeah, we didn't talk about it, but Trey Carson looked really good. He did. He looked fast. He passed, protected, and he caught the ball. And if he's as good on special teams, which he, he he did have some snaps, I think as a runner, what we saw from Jeremy Hill's last two gears, Trey Carson could be better than that. And I know I don't know if that sounds crazy to you, but you know, no. there's third <laughs> running backs in the league all, all around the league that come in and play well. Carson looked good, and if he if that's who he is, he can help this team. And that's the thing. Do you want to risk losing a Trey Carson to try to sneak him on the practice squad again if he has a good a good preseason? So it, it is going to be interesting to see what they do uh, when it comes down to it. And now they can cut players early, but they don't have to cut down to 75. They, they, they can wait right. and, and cut it all the way down to 53. So I, I, I think you'll be able to sneak more guys through to your practice squad with that because each team is going to have to look at 25 guys from every team. That's true. That's a good point. And Man, it just seems like, and I know it's one preseason game, but just in training camp, this team outside of the offensive line, as long as they're okay, that's the only huge weakness I see. They're better at linebacker, more depth on the defensive line, more athletic there, secondary solid, might not have a superstar, but, but they're solid. But they're more healthy this year. Yeah. Bernard, William Jackson, I know I know, Iloka's hurt, but I think they're going to have to make a tough cut at safety. I think they have five or six safeties yeah. that can play and with the starters. Someone may get cut if that's a Deron Smith because he hasn't flashed like he has the last two camps. Um, you know, that would be a shame because I think he's really good, and I think he's played well every time he's had a chance. Uh, but, you know, they made a draft pick there, too, who hasn't gotten to play yet. Who knows how that's going to shake up. But I, I agree. I think they're going to have to make a tough cut at, at corner or safety, probably both. He's Joe Goodberry. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. In our reunion episode for 2017, I feel like time really went quick, Joe. Uh, I do know this. I'm excited to to talk to you every week and uh, recap the Bengals games because it looks like it's going to be a fun year. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to do it, James. Let's do it. Awesome. Awesome, man. I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. That's Joe Goodberry. Give him a follow at Joe Goodberry on Twitter. Great stuff from him, as always. And man, oh man, I hope that got you excited for Bengals season. One preseason game in, and honestly, I just feel like they're so much better than last year. Part of its health, part of its depth, part of its young talent, uh, what they did in the draft. If that offensive line holds up like it did on Friday night, watch out. As for me, I'm going to be back all week. Down at Bengals training camp, I have audio. I asked Deshaun Jackson about mentoring John Ross on Friday night. I'm going to get you that this week. You're going to hear from Ryan Fitzpatrick on why he believes in Bengals offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi. Fitzpatrick played here back in 2007 and 2008, if you forget. And uh, so much more. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Locked on Bengals podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, audioboom.com, the iHeartRadio app as well. Give us a follow at Locked on Bengals, at James Erpine. And until tomorrow, when I'll be back at Bengals training camp bringing you more Bengals news on Twitter, on ESPN1530.com slash James, and right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast, I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until tomorrow, I appreciate you listening. Napa know it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17 Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.